Hello and welcome to another episode of Mechtrospective, the mecha podcast where we look at every robot from Astro Boy to Mazinger Z. I'm Tooch. I'm Devin. And today and I cry at robots. <laughs> yes, that's our second. That's, so, um, that's our subheader. We cry at robots. This is due to lack of time and due to the fact that we just uh, we had a, a bit of a scheduling issue. Due to the fact that our day was kind of cramped, because we just saw Dragon Ball uh, Z Resurrection of F. I still think it's dumb. They just called it Resurrection of F. They should have just called it Return of Frieza or something like that. I, I think like um. I don't know, I guess they just wanted to be, they wanted to be more hip with it, because Resurrection of Frieza would be a really, it's like a really bland, like, of course they're going to call it that, but Resurrection F, it's like, ooh, what does it, what does it mean? I mean, it's obvious what it means, but, but it's like... We're not here to talk about that. That's for your other podcast. Yes, we are covering that. I don't know, it, I'm pretty, just because, like, with the, with our update schedule, and, like, we're literally about to record that uh, on Monday, so I'm pretty sure it'll be up, it'll definitely be up before this. It might yeah. even be, it might even be out before Macross. Macross is dropping on Monday. Yes, yes, next Monday is so, dropping, yeah. Yeah, Macross, and it, it is Friday. It is almost Friday, so. So, so yeah, it'll be out before this. So, so I hope you checked that out, and if not, uh, go back and look at it. Anyway, uh, today we are discussing another Gundam series, a six-episode miniseries. We're back or, to Gundam. Or OVA for the you, uh, for you fucking degenerates. <laughs> I mean, that's what it's called. <laughs> I'm being a douche. But it's called uh, Mosu Gundam 0080 War in the Pocket. I'm going to preface this by saying, if you tried to watch the original movies or anything other Gundam, and it really just wasn't your thing, but you enjoyed something more along the lines of Gunbuster, like, not so much Diebuster, but Gunbuster. Yeah. If you if you didn't really quite jam with all the new type shit, if you didn't quite jam with the scale of the war, or, you know, you didn't just quite, you just didn't quite jam with the Tomino-ness of it, we are discussing the 1989 uh, series Gundam 0080. War in the Pocket is objectively probably the best piece of Gundam media. Objectively. It's not my favorite, but it is objectively the best one. It's a it's a very it's an extremely well told story. Was was it the first thing that Tomino didn't do? Yes, it was the it was for the tenth anniversary of Gundam. Mm-hmm. Tomino or Tomino was busy at work on a Gundam F ninety one and uh was very, very angry that he had to make that because he wanted Char's counterattack in nineteen eighty seven to be the, the finale of Gundam. Of course. He wanted that to be cool. Well, he 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 wanted to do Charles Counter. He wanted Charles Counterattack to be a series. Like that's what Double Zeta was supposed to be, <sighs> and that was going to be the finale with Charles, the main character. But then he got this, the go ahead for like, no, 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 work on Charles Counterattack, which is why the the first couple episodes of du- the first like third of Double Zeta doesn't really have much of Tomino in it, is because he was busy working on Charles Counterattacks like pre production at that point. And then he came in and it's like, right, let's fix this. Well, he had like he essentially he just didn't quite. He kind of phoned in the beginning of Double Zeta. But that's for our Double Zeta episode. Yeah. You need basically little knowledge of Gundam to enjoy this. The only, the only, the only thing you need to know about is that they're that they're that the Earth and space colonies are are in are in a war, and uh, the the Federation is winning right now. The Federation is winning thanks to some new secret weapon that you never really that you technically you don't see it. Yeah. Uh, called the like the 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 Gundam. Yeah, and like it's pretty much only like. It's, it's, it. hearing that you're gonna go up against the Gundam is, like, it's worthy of a pants shitting for a Zeon soldier. Yeah, it's, you're not gonna survive. It's called the White Devil by them, and, uh, f- and by the Federation, it's kind of, and so, for the most of the, of the war, if you watched the series or you didn't, uh, the, fe- the Z- Zeon, for most of the war, from, it was the one-year war started in January and all, and it wasn't really until September, even October or November, that, you know, the Federation actually began a counterattack. It was just, you know, Zeon dropping Zaku's onto Earth and blowing shit up, and them fighting with planes and tanks and losing very badly. Basically a Godzilla movie. So, here's the thing. Uh, we just gave you a brief half-Wikipedia synopsis of 
0079, or at least the, the, the early, at least the one-year war setting. We, and all, we, we gave you enough information to be able to follow this. Yes. Really you, simple shit. All you need to know is Zeon versus Federation. Zeon are the space colonists who want freedom. Earth is, the, is their oppressors, but who is really evil. That's kind of the thing. Yeah, and that's the thing with any Gundam series. So with that, I'm going to tell I'm going to angrily tell you to pause this fucking podcast, take about three hours of your life, and watch the probably the best piece of non Tomino Gundam. Not even three hours, like dude, like two and a half, and then you can skip, and then you can you can skip the openings and endings in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Although why would you? Yeah. But you could. You could. So right now, I'm telling you to fucking pause it to watch it, and uh, if. If you're not, if you just want to hear us talk about it and not watch it, well, you're a crazy monster, and... It's one of those things where it's like the ending is, like, amazing. It, it, it kind of like Gunbuster, subbed or dubbed doesn't matter, it's actually a very good dub, uh, for a 90s dub, it's pretty good. Uh, has David Hayter in it. Yeah! And I, and if you don't look up who David Hayter plays, you're probably gonna be wrong, because it sounds nothing like Solid Snake. <laughs> it, it's way more of just his regular speaking voice. Yeah. Honestly, uh, frickin', uh, Al's dad sounds more like what you'd expect David Hayter to sound like. So, anyway, watch War in the Pocket. Paused. Can't you see that you are sweet? Oh, let me love you so. And you've just watched uh, Gundam War in the Pocket. And you're crying. You are you are hopelessly destroyed. And uh, we were too. We watched it last night, and I'd, I'd seen yeah. it many a time. Uh, War in the Pocket is very unlike any Gundam series out there, because it doesn't follow the same tropes or format or anything. Even the other OVAs, like uh, Eat the Mess Team, and, uh, well, War in the Pocket started a trend. Yeah. And uh, it was made for the 10th anniversary, and so the last main um, addition to the Universal Century is Victory Gundam, made in 1992. You can argue that Reconquista NG was as well, but I that's for a later date. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this started a trend of semi-annual Universal Century OVAs. Right. Which, uh, after 0080 was Stardust Memory in 93. Mm -hmm. After Stardust Memory was, or was it 92? It was around there. Uh, then, then, um, War in the Pocket coincided with, I me, mean, not War in the Pocket, um, 8th MS Team, or 08th MS Team, if you will, coincided with Gundam Wing. Okay. Following 8th MS Team was, uh, in the early 2000s, was a trilogy of, uh, CGI animated OVAs taking place in the one year war from, two from Xeon's perspective and one from, uh, the Federation perspective called MS Igloo. Right. The Hidden One Year War, Apocalypse 0079, and then two, The Gravity Front. Yeah. All three episodes each. Very good. Uh, we'll talk about those later, though. Uh, and that, so this is the first one. It was not made by Tomino. Tomino had no intera- no involvement with this ever. Uh, Hiro, Hiroyuki Yamago was the director who directed pretty much nothing except, nothing of, of, uh, of Note. notice. Uh, except that he's also a character, he's uh, a character in Blue Blazes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we should talk about that just because it's about people involved in mech stuff. <laughs> well, m- well, um, aside from that though, before we go on that tangent... Uh, the character designs must be very familiar for you if you've watched Robotech or, um, Macross, the original Macross, um, is because it's the same character designer who did Macross. Oh, cool. That, that's why everyone kind of has, like, the kind of bigger eyes and the softer, the softer, uh, yeah. lines. A little bit, a little bit, uh, especially Al, he, he yeah. got a little bit moe. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much, I, forgot, I always forget that guy's name, but, uh. It, it, he looked like his eyeballs were gonna like drain out of his skull. <laughs> they were just so <laughs> liquidy and sloshy. So, um, I think we should give a brief synopsis to re- refresh everybody before we start. The thing they just watched. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. 
I like to talk about, I like to give a brief synopsis, because, you know, we do have those crazy monsters who just want to hear us talk about robots. Yeah. Uh, you heinous beasts that refuse to watch. Probably the best objective thing we're going to be reviewing on this show. Um, so, this is towards the end of the One Year War, and it's in, Dece- it's in, it takes place probably over the course of like a week. So, Xeon is getting desperate, and, uh, they're losing, they've been pushed all the way off of Earth into space. Mm-hmm. So currently they are mo- they are preoccupied fighting on their own fronts. The Federation is moving for into space for the first time. Right. This is around the time of the third movie. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching it, uh, I usually tell people to watch it in between the second and third movie, even though it, the timeline doesn't exactly add up because this t- more coincides with like the Battle of Solomon and like toward the end of the show. Yeah. Whereas, but I still think it totally you should watch it in between two and three, yeah. so that you can you know see the end of the war from the people's perspective. Mm-hmm. And the end of the war from the cast, from the main character's perspective. It would be interesting to take the original TV series and put it in between specific episodes. That is actually, uh, I want to try to, I want to, I'll talk to you about that later. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, so, it follows, uh, the first scene opens in Antarctica, the only scene that takes place on Earth, actually. And, uh, a group of Xeon guys known as, known as a Cyclops team, which is a great name for a Xeon. Like, Absolutely. Yes, yeah, Cyclops team. And, uh, so Cyclops team get intel that there's a new Gundam being made. And that's like... It's a Gundam. And uh, so they explain... If you didn't watch the original series to explain, the Gundam Alex in this series was made for Amuro. Yeah. It was made to give to Amuro because it was the first mobile suit to be... like the, Well, the, not the first mobile suit, but the first Gundam to be specifically a Gundam-type mobile suit to be made to interact... to, you know, interface with a new type. Yeah. And as, if you see in the show, it has a panoramic-like view, and that's the reason why, you know, in the end it was destroyed is because Chris wasn't a new type. Right. She wasn't able to use the machine to its full potential. They try to destroy it in Antarctica, but it gets out to space. They manage to shoot it out before they're able to successfully destroy it. Yeah. And uh, they lose one of their guys, too. So they get a new recruit. Yeah, Bernie Wiseman, the, the, the perfect angel who was born in the wrong time. <laughs> and Bernie's this bright-eyed, uh, bright-eyed young, 19-year-old, like, essentially child. <laughs> Basically. And because Zeon has lost most of their, like, you know, Robber Rall, his guys are all dead already. All these veterans are dead. They got They're nothing left but greens. Pretty much. Like, it, it's a heartbreaking thought that if you're watching the Battle of Aboaku in the third Gundam movie, that you're like, wow, most of those Zakus are being piloted by whatever the fuck is left. Yep. Like, children. <laughs> pretty much. I so mean, That's what the white base is. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was literally a bunch of child soldiers. Well, like, Somewhere Big Boss is just laughing. <laughs> yeah, Big Boss is kind of, Big Boss is like laughing and smashing like a bottle of gin on his own head or whatever. <laughs> That'd be bourbon. It would be bourbon for Big Boss. It cuts about a couple days later at Leebot Colony, a colony inside Six, which is actually also where they visited. Not not specifically the Leebot Colony itself, but they visit a, a colony inside Six, where Amro meets his dad in the third movie. Yeah. And uh, we meet our new our main character, an eleven year old boy named Alfred Izaruha. Eleven. Al. He's eleven. That's a that's a little that's a little babby eleven year old. And he's God. He loves mobile suits. He and might have one pube, just with one. <laughs> you maybe went, you went there. Just the one. And, like, even we and Tush were talking about it, like, this kid, like, is, is naive. This kid is naive. They all are. They like, all that's are. Like, like, right from the jump, r- right from the jump, like, uh, especially rewatching this and knowing, I mean, I, my first time going in, I knew it was going to be bad, because you were, like, I could just tell from your... Yeah. You're I, not a hard man to read sometimes. I talk about, I talk about, I talk about things in certain ways. <laughs> and, um, so I was like, alright, let's, let's do this. But, like, rewatching it especially, I noticed that, like, straight from the jump, like, these kids are, um, these kids are, like, little boys. They're running around, they're playing, they're playing war. Like, they're shooting, they're, they're like, you with the little fingers, like, pew, pew, I got you. And the little kid's like, oh, no, you got me. Ooh. And it's like, that's, that's how kids play. Like, that's, it's it's a consistent tone that I really enjoy. It's that whole that that whole singular effect. 
you know? Like, the, my friend uh, Rami, who, uh, I have a friend, who's a, one of the first people I met who was into Universal Century Gundam besides me, uh, when we were talking, when we were bonding initially and talking about Gundam for the first time, he said, like, yeah, pretty much a lot of Tomino's, like, UC Gundam stuff, it really tells you in detail how war is bad, but War in the Pocket just straight up shows you. Yeah. And so, Bernie is the new member of Cyclops' team, and they've, they've located, so Cyclops' team has located, um, the Gundam Alex, it is in this civil, it's in this neutral colony, so the Federation and Xeon are not supposed to be there, both of them aren't. Yeah. And so the Federation is already breaking the rules by building a Gundam there. Of course. And so... And that, and so it's, cause Leebot's not supposed to take a side. And that's kind of really fucked up on both ends. So, uh, they commence Operation Rubicon, which yeah. is they infiltrate the colony. And, uh, so during just a regular day in school, you know, they make their appearance in Leebot. Some Zaku show up and the, the GM's guarding the place. They exchange shots and Bernie gets shot down right in front of Al and they kind of become friends. But like, he doesn't know politics. He doesn't know why the war's happening. No. He doesn't know anything. He just knows that he thinks Z- Zaku's are way cooler. Yep. That's his own. That's literally his only only claim. And like, that's my only thing. He thinks the Zaku's are cooler looking than GMs. They are. And also, I find that uh, that cool. That uh, that's the first time the public had ever seen a GM mm-hmm. because because no, the uh, yeah some of the kids didn't even believe they existed. Yeah, because they, they're like the Federation doesn't have mobile suits. Like, yeah, like, who are trouncing them? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. But then the second they show up, everyone's start changing their tune, like, oh, you guys, uh, we like the Federation now. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> oh, so they didn't attack your colony, that's what happened. <laughs> so, what what does, you know, happen is eventually Al and Bernie can become friends, and the rest of Cyclops' team decide, you know, Al's dad works at the shipping area where the gun is being held. And so, you know, we could get some info from this kid, so they give him, like, so, like, they give him, like, a Zeon, like, a Zeon, like, pilot badge that has a bug stuck in it. And yeah. Just, and it's just a fun time for Al, and he doesn't, just, yeah. he doesn't get it. He doesn't even know. Like, all his, all his friends are going to, like, the frickin', the, the place where, like, all the, ba- all, all the places where the battles happened and stealing, like, stealing, like, shrapnel and empty shells and stuff. Yeah. The kid has a big fuck-off Zaku. Zaku bullet in his backpack. These are also, if you realize that these Zakus have different guns, that's because these are the late edition Zaku FZ types. Ooh. Which were, uh, never really quite mass produced because, you know, but, and they, the reason they weren't at the Battle of Aboaku, they explained through a retcon, is because they were being created on the moon and Aboaku fell before they got them. Ah. So these were essentially, they were essentially better Zakus that never really, really, never really arrived in time. Yeah. Because that, that's a, that's a, that's a real life war thing. Like, you know, sometimes, like, you know, we have weapons we can't use because we died before we use them. <laughs> we died before we can get in them. Yeah. I mean, like, that was a thing that was super horrifying. I remember my uncle and me were watching a documentary on the History Channel about, like, some of the stuff the Germans had and that, like, if they had, like, another year, they would have, they would have had jet fighters in, like, a year. Oh, in fuck. 1946, they would have had jet fighters. They would have had, like, they would have had straight, they would have had, like, techno, they would have had straight up, like, 1960s level jet fighters. And you know who gave the Nazis that technology? Aliens. Well, no, it was according to Wolfenstein: The New Order. It was a secret society of uh, hyper intelligent Jews that built <sighs> built super science for for thousands of years. So, um, eventually, they commence Operation Rubicon, and there's this big battle in the streets. They come out, they bring out the Kampfer with the shotgun, and that's yeah. it, and that that that's another mobile suit that never really got mass produced. Mm-hmm. And uh, was that that big blue one? Yes, yeah, the big blue one with the shotgun. Oh, that was that. It was a really cool one because I it's been forever since I watched it, and like when it showed up, this, I watched it this morning. I was like. That's so cool. What is it? It's a Comfer. Is it? Is yep. it in Full Boost? Uh, it was in the prequel to Full Boost, which was just called Gundam versus Gundam. Um, it, uh, I forgot what the, it was. Just Gundam versus Gundam: colon, It's a Gundam. 
No, it was Gundam versus Gundam something on the... P- Gundam versus Gundam Next. Ah. It was in that one. And I know when I was... DLC. With that- DLC. DLC. Well, I mean, we're getting a shitload of DLC for Maxi Boost. Like, I- Never enough DLC. I mean, I'm excited for Maxi well, I am excited for Maxi Boost. To be, like, I would be okay with one more character from 0080. Like, they pretty much only have Bernie and Chris. Yeah, but this is... That's the, it's, that thing is objectively the coolest thing in the whole thing. is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, you don't go to the show for the mech fights. It's cooler than the gun... It's cooler than the Gundam Alex. So, and then you see the Gundam Alex pretty much take take the shit out of it with its fucking, yeah. like, it has, like, the fucking, like, wrist-mounted gun. Yeah. guns. Yeah, and, like, it has its, like, armor that was detachable. Yeah. So, Bernie's the only survivor of Cyclops' team. And he kind of reveals to Al everything, how they were manipulating them, and Bernie's just about to fucking run. He's about to run for the hills, go back anywhere... And he kind of dresses like Char when he's, like, hiding after Gunner got killed. <laughs> like, I remember that he also was dressing how Char dresses in Char's counterattack with, like, the golden suit and the sunglasses. It was, like, I saw a post on Tumblr that was, like, a picture of Bernie right then. It was, like, Mega Evolution. And it showed Char. <laughs> mega Evolution. So, Bernie's about to run when he gets not, not uh, you know, intel. Mm-hmm. Because he's the only survivor of Cyclops' team. That if the Gundam Alex is not destroyed by Christmas Day... Zeon is going to launch an entire nuclear payload with a fleet they have surrounding this colony, and they're just going to blow it up, like, kill everybody there. And so Bernie decides he can't do that. Yeah. He can't let that happen. On the other side of the plot we haven't explained is Chris. We have Christina McKenzie, mm-hmm. voiced by Wendy Lee in the dub. Yeah. And voiced by Megumi Hayabashira in Japanese, who voices Ray. <laughs> <laughs> At least I think so. I might be entirely wrong on that. I think I'm pulling that out of my ass. I'll double-check double that hey douchebag myself at the end. <laughs> He'll double away you check that. I will. And uh, so she is one of Al's friends, and apparently when she was in high school, she was Al's babysitter. Mm-hmm. So, and the, she's his next-door neighbor. She's the test pilot for the, uh, she, she's the test pilot. How serendipitous. And uh, her and Bernie meet and kind of hit it off and seem like there could be some sort of a relationship there. And Yeah. And so what happens is Bernie and Al spend, you know, Christmas Eve, you know, rebuilding his fucked up Zaku. They don't even have a gun for it. It's just a heat hawk. That's all he has is a heat hawk. That's all you fucking need, bro. And so... That's all you need. Bernie... So then Al... Al and Bernie have this, like... You're, it's a fun montage, fixing but you up, just have this... Fixing up the Zaku 80s montage of you, friendship. And you just have this kind of, like, hole in your heart. Like, you know something's gonna happen, but, like, the music's really fun right now, so I'm gonna try yeah. to ignore that. So what happens is... doing it! Is, uh... I love you, Bernie! Al is eating breakfast one with his family, and his mm-hmm. dad says, like, Oh, wow, I couldn't get on... Apparently, like, the Federation found a giant Zeon fleet with nukes, and they took down the entire fleet and shot it down. Entire fleet's destroyed. It's like... And then so... Al was like, Bernie doesn't have to fight. Oh, no. B- Bernie does not have to do anything. And Bernie does not know this. And Bernie does not know this. So he runs out to the field, but it's too late. Bernie's already launched in the Zaku, and there's this... Probably one of the most intense fights in all of Gundam. It's like... Yeah. Like and so the so Bernie in his Zaku FZ armed with only really a heat hawk mm-hmm. against you know a, a pretty a half armed Gundam Gundam takes it down beheads it pretty much destroys it beyond repair yeah at the cost of getting a beam saber to his everything yeah he got beam sabered through the cockpit uh, like it was. The worst part of it is, is like, the whole time you're watching it from start to finish, you're just like, this doesn't need to happen. Yeah. This doesn't this, need to be happening. He died for nothing. Th- this doesn't need to happen. And it's like, honestly, like, watching watching it for the second time, I literally had one of those moments where it's like, maybe, maybe Al will stop him this time. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, no. no. So Bernie, Bernie dies, and then Al gets to listen to Bernie's kind of eulogy, saying, like, don't be mad at the Federation, this isn't their fault, this isn't Zeon's fault either. 
this is just the fault. This is just the fault of war itself, really. And he's just like, I'm pretty much going to die. And then he says, you know, say goodbye to Chris for me. So then Al goes and sees Chris is going back to Earth after being heavily after he's witnessed her getting pulled out of the wreckage of the Alex. Yeah, while the while the paramedics are like, what about the other guy? Ah, uh, he's hamburgers. Yeah, he's nothing but a pile of hamburger. Oh, poor Bernie. So Ham- so, and then the line that gets that gets my best friend. It destroys her is when is when Chris kind of just like says like say goodbye to Bernie for me. Mm-hmm. It just oh man. <laughs> the line that the line that got me the first time I watched it and it got me again is at the very end when the kids are at that assembly about the war. Yeah, and right at the end. That's the one your war has ended. Al's the only one crying because the other kids are chill. Other stupid un unscarred PTSD chill non PTSD children who don't understand and like his his basically warmongering friends are like oh don't cry there will be a no there will be another war real soon it'll be even cooler than this one they're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm trying to think is what happens exactly after that because the the show ends on January first double eighty yeah and so. About six months into double, no, a year and a half later, mm-hmm. is a Xeon, a Xeon group uh, launches a first counteroffensive, which is the game Gundam 0081 Battlefield Record, mm-hmm. or Battlefield Record 0081, in which Xeon tries to use a mass driver on the moon that was meant to shoot up construction equipment for the colonies, is trying to shoot, you know, essentially just shoot giant rocks at Earth to try to, you know, it, it, they were desperate. There was only like a handful of them. That's really desperate. Well, it's like not rocks, but they're trying. They're trying to shoot stuff at Earth, kind of like <laughs> to essentially an amount of, something being shot that fucking quickly at Earth. Would oh yeah, be no, like terrible it, damage. Like on a literal sense, that that would be terrible and terrifying. But all I can picture is like a Xeon guy on the moon going like "fuck you," like behind <laughs> behind a cockpit, like <laughs> "fuck you, Earth." <laughs> and then, uh, then a year and a half after that is is Operation Stardust. Which we will get to. <laughs> probably that's probably be the next gun thing we talk about, either that or, or uh, War in the Pocket. Because if we do, the, you mean the thing we're doing? I now? mean, I meant HMS <laughs> team. Because I'm like, if we do Stardust Memory, then we're all ready for Zeta. We can just do Zeta whenever. Yeah. But like, because to be fair, HMS team I think is the is the weakest of the three like OVAs if out it, of that unofficial trilogy. I think yeah. HMS team is the weakest, but that by which no is means a shame. It, which by no means bad. It it because it has a really great premise and really solid characters and a lot of it's, it's really fun. It's it's a show that we'll a, get into a discussion yeah. about that. That's gonna be that's gonna be a good discussion. So, this one is too good to really discuss because yeah. it's like just watch it, dude. Yeah, it's like well, the thing about this one is that th- there's a story where Yoshiki Tomio himself saw the first episode mm-hmm. and dismissed it, saying that this is too silly, like this is too lighthearted, and like it's like this is not which what is I interesting because it opens with a horrible death. <laughs> and like, but the thing is, it's like Tomio even commented like that, you know, oh, they would why are that why aren't they all getting to shelters and all that? And the yeah, that, that his only his only he, he had two things. It's in the it's in the Wikipedia article. Oh, okay. Uh, he was he was interviewed for in New Type magazine in eighty nine. Um, he he praised it and he liked how they were he was they were able to focus the story on things other than mobile suit battles. He said he had two problems. Uh, the colony had a blue sky instead of uh, the outside of the cylinder. Yeah, and the the children he he saw he said it was unrealistic for them to allow the children outside during wartime. He the school should have been closed and they should have been sent to shelters. But apparently, like the show told me not him. The show he like yep. apparently he when he finished it he was Tomino. Yep. Oh yeah, because it was it was in it was in April of eighty nine before it had, before finished, it had finished, finished airing. August. Yeah. Yeah. This show is phenomenal. It is like even if you don't like Gundam, it is objectively a thing that even if you're like I don't really like Gundam or Mecha, I'm like it doesn't matter because that's not really what it's about. Yeah. Oh, apparently he also did, it's Haruhiko Mikamoto. He also did the character designs of Gunbuster. 
Oh, damn! And Megazone 23, which we can also do. Cool. Or apparently it's called Megazone 2-3. That's dumb. That's not how numbers work. You put a space in between those if you want me to say both. So, this series, as Rami, as my buddy Rami said, it shows you. This is what Ward does to people. Yeah, like the it, first, like, dude, when, like, when he's going to school and, like, they pull that kid from the rubble. And it's just like, and, and also, like, this is an OVA. Like, you just see people eat it. Yeah, like, you, like, I think one part where you're just kind of like, oh, geez, is so when they actually see the comfort and they, like, they show the cockpit where there's, like, a hole and yes. blood everywhere. It's like, damn. Oh. Like, even that scene, like, one of my favorite scenes in it is where, is where Al and Bernie are in the car and Bert, Al's like, if you're shot somebody, he's like, nah, but he's, like, and he lies. Yeah. Kind of trying to make himself seem cool to Al. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm an ace. I'm like, I'm two, two kills away from being an ace. But then he says, like, but I never really want to die in space. You just kind of sit there and just watch your own blood flood your body in zero gravity and you're just like, oh no. Uh, did you watch... I watched the dub this time around. I've seen the dub already. I just watched it in Japanese again. Oh, how, oh cool. Was that... How was that? I always, I like it in Japanese. Well, it's just like... I've seen it both times, and that's... I like the dub, mostly because David Hater. Yeah. And because, like, pre-Snake David Hater is always a funny thing to me. Yeah, well, I think... I feel like this dub was good because it's like... Not um, pre-Snake. He was, it was 2001. So this was... He, was, he was already did Snake. You don't, like... Because, like, one of the problems with, well, like, early... One of, the, one of the problems with early dubbed anime like we, we we talked about this earlier is like they'll 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 get a lot of times they'll get good actors for the main cast but then like they have to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel to find extras this had a really tight cast it did so everybody was important so everybody got i think everybody got a fair got a fair treatment got a fair treatment got good actors got like, got cast well another thing that really said into me when i was watching it this time is because like i there's some books called uh just i think it's just called gundam record and uh, it's kind of like they're like they're legit like history textbooks about like the one year wars. It has like you know actual like photographs of Rambaral commit like actual photographs of yeah. Rambaral commanding his troops. And then, like it's like a history book about the one year war. That's freaking cool. That's like, amazing. I, I want it. But like I realized that like nobody's gonna remember Bernie. Nope. No one knows who Bernie is. No nope. one's gonna remember Operation Rubicon. No one's gonna remember this. No one. Only a couple people in in like Lebot, especially just Al, are gonna know this. Oh, basically. Al's the only one who knows the entire story, because everyone else is dead. Everyone else is either dead or oblivious. Mm-hmm. And it's... He can't tell anybody. He can't. And he's not... Like, he's not in any EU material. Like, I... There's people who, who, who uh, theorize... Not th- I know, it does, it's not true, but there's... You see two people sitting on a beach... Uh, at the end of Char's counterattack, and people, and you, it's like, because it's essentially, as the final battle's happening, you see people on Earth kind of all watching from different spot places on Earth. And you see two people on a beach, and one of them's obviously a woman, and one of them's like a younger man. Mm-hmm. And some people think that, that, people like fans assume, like, oh, I, like they, they place it in their minds that that's just Bernie and Chris at the end of, not Bernie, um, Chris and Al. The ghost of Bernie. The ghost of Bernie. The, the, the force ghost. <laughs> so, like, I always wanted to, like, if I, I never wanted to usually write fan fiction, but I always say I'm going to. Mm-hmm. If I was to write fan fiction, I'd write, like, a 12-year later, like, a couple years later sequel. Yeah. Like, I was thinking, like, what if, like, like, okay, so Zeta takes place in 0087, so that's seven years later, Al was 18. And I think Chris was, like, 20 or something, so she'd be, like, in her late, like, mid to late 20s at that point. So I was thinking, like, Chris, you know, the way she were, she felt, the way she experienced all of War in the Pocket was this was a Xeon terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. She was, a, she survived a terrorist attack. Yeah. And I was thinking, would that, that would instill a lot of hatred of Xeon and Xeonic ideals. Just, just mentally. Yeah. And so I was like, she would obviously join the Titans. To explain for those who have not seen Gundam Zeta, um, due to the events of Gundam 0083, but like, in between the time between, uh, <laughs> in between the time, of uh, 0079 and 0087. You don't need backstory to watch the show, but understand it's fan fiction. Who boy. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, in between the events of uh, 
of the original series in Zeta, Zeta taking place in 0087. Right. Uh, the Federation has become extremely paranoid. Of course they, they, they were. They're very scared if you know another space noid uprising, so they create, created this small task force called the Titans. They wore black and they're not the best people. No. Like, they are, they, and so, but the thing is, over the course, they were established in 0083, and uh, they were meant, originally meant, they did their job. They were essentially an anti-terrorist task force. Like, anytime, they were essentially there to put down Xeon remnants, like Xeon rebels. Yeah. And they did their job pretty well for a while until they got bigger and bigger to the point where they were almost replacing the military. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking, Chris would definitely join the Titans at that point if she, if she had that mindset. And I was thinking, like, what, like, I'm just trying to imagine, like, what a sequel would be like. If it was maybe Chris and the Titans, Al may be, like... Al he, would join the AU. Maybe he... I don't think he would join the AU, because he wouldn't be a soldier. He wouldn't want anything to do with war. He wouldn't oh. want to kill anybody. So what he would do is he would become... I'm thinking Al would become a journalist. Or he would become, like, an activist. Like, like a, uh, and he would write a book. He would write a book exposing the events of, of War in the Pocket. Did Kai become a journalist? Yeah, Kai became a journalist, okay, too. Yeah. He, well, he, he... Yeah, he became a journalist. I was thinking, like... Let's just have it in our, let's just have it in our thing that uh, Al hates Kai. Yeah, he's like a rival journalist. Like, fuck that guy. He doesn't deserve that Pulitzer. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he fought on the white base, but fuck whatever. <laughs> Who cares? That's the only reason anybody reads his garbage. He's a white base survivor. So, like, I think maybe Al would write a book about the events of War in the Pocket. Call it a War in the Pocket. Yeah. And then, like, but, like, then the Federate, then the Titans would try to lock down and ban the book because, like, it has its Zeon, its, it's sympathetic Zeon propaganda. Yeah, it's, it's sympathetic and now, I, like, I would read that novel. I would read a novel about that. Uh, if you if you want if you want Devin to write this fan fiction, you can write us in and give give him motivation to do it. Yeah, I would, I would give us ideas. So that that's my idea for for a sequel to War in the Pocket. That can be that can be a that can be a uh, that can be a second use for this is to get is to is for people to feed us their mega fan and, fiction and if, ideas. And if you think you're a better writer than me, send me an email and say you're going to do this, and then I will gladly read it. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Dude, dude, like, dude, said, like, let's 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 get let's get let's get fandom into this. Yeah, because fandom is good on a small scale, and we don't have viewers. Yeah, we, have, we have sixty a video. <laughs> I'm actually kind of proud of that. Um, this show is also fantastically animated. Like, oh, yeah. even though, like, I could definitely say they cut some corners when the animating kind of like just people being people, but like, you don't really need that much animation for that. But like, anytime mechs actually, like, anytime mobile suits were actually doing shit, oh, like, dude, and on close-ups. The like detail, like just seeing like the eye of the Zaku going back yeah. and forth, and Bernie's hovering across. Like, but my one of my favorite moments in uh from this is right when they're in the in the Antarctic, and they have their high gogs, which are, like the blue like aquatic mobile suits are called high gogs. Yeah, and so and they fire like a, like a few bullets into one of the GMs, and it, like hits its arm and it fires up at itself, and I'm just like, oh, like that was so good mm-hmm. in such a fucked up way. Oh, it's it this like it goes limp wrist and it's like yeah, like. War is bad. War sucks. It's really cool to watch from afar, though, in a, in, a, in, a, in a reality that it doesn't exist in. Like, I always say I would love to live in the Gundam universe in a time of peace. Because <laughs> objectively, the good Gundam... Good luck finding one. I mean, there's a good 20, 30 years of peace in between, uh... So would you, what, would, you, would, you rather be, would you rather be a child who grew up in the war or be an old man and not have to fight in it? I think I would be a young baby during the era. I would be growing up as like a child, not really quite knowing what's going on during the events of Zeta and Charge Counterattack and all mm-hmm. that. And by the time Gundam Unicorn happens, I'm already like in high school, so like I, I have an idea of what's going on and I am passioned by the end of Gundam Unicorn. And then after Gundam Unicorn, there's a few terrorist act, happen, things that happen, but those don't really affect any civilians. Those are mostly attacks on Federation politics, mm-hmm. politicians. And around the double around uh double one oh five, which is the events of Hathaway's Flash, which has not been translated or animated yet. Nah. And uh so from then on there really isn't anything bad happening until Gundam F ninety one, which F ninety and F ninety one, which is a, a war around Mars F nine the manga F ninety is all about a, a war with some Xeon remnants at Mars. Mm-hmm. And uh 
F91 takes place super, it takes place at new colonies that were made farther from side three called the frontier colonies. So that doesn't affect me. So, and then I would be like a super old adult by the time of victory, so I would be, I would be all right. (laughs) I'm glad you have your fake life all planned out. Yes. That is how I want to live in the universal century. (laughs) So... Anyway, you you had some things you want to talk talk about for the show specifically, right? Um, why is it called the Alex? I personally don't know why it's called the Alex, but I think it's just because it was a code name. It was just a development name, like well, a, a work in progress, pretty much. Like a freaking uh, Blue Harvest. <laughs> <laughs> we used to have Nate, like that. That's a metal. I'm going to go a little Metal Gear here, but here's uh-huh. here's a little bit of fan fiction, not fan fiction, fan trivia. Uh, so in World War II, we never really cared to learn what the names of Japanese fighter jets were, mm-hmm. so we just gave them our own names. And there's fighters called Raidens, and we call Jack. So that's why Raiden's name is Jack. That's so dumb. I love it because he's nothing more than a weapon than a weapon. He's nothing more than a weapon for them, for oh, the I'm Patriots. So, I'm sad now. But like, and that's why. And so there are fighters called Geckos. We called Irvings, which is what the U.S. Army calls Geckos, and you in in MGS4. <laughs> so I was thinking, like, the the U.S. Army, the Army always does that and gives things names. Yeah. So like, I could see them just calling that an Alex. Like that's just the development name. Maybe some guy on the maybe the guy who actually designed his name was Alex. Maybe. It sure would be nice to get some frickin' flavor of some side material about War in the Pocket. War in the Pocket is phenomenal, and, like, you can just, like, I know... In a franchise that loves to have, like, side manga and shit, where is War in the Pocket? Yeah. The events are so small-scale that, like, you feel so, like... It's it's a lot more realistic. Like it's you personal. Feel, it's a lot more personal. Exactly. Kind of like kind of like um, Macross Plus. How in terms of like that's pretty much just a cliff note in terms of like of, a, of the history of the Macross universe. Yeah, and it's like there's because it's in so much war stuff and action stuff and like big robots, monster stuff. Like you just see them even in a Macross. Plus. Macross Plus, like, they were fighting in that city and just decimating everything, and it's like, oh, you just sort of, like, you just sort of skirt around that, like, suspension of disbelief, no one got hurt somehow. Like, you can't do that here. No, that's there was, the point. That's the point of this. It's you, like... You can't fight in civilian territory. Like, you can't. Like You the, will kill people. There was... I remember Toonami aired this for a Midnight Run exclusive, and they ran it all at once. And I think they did that twice, but, like... Actually, hearing the promo for it just makes me really sad. Yeah, because it ends right. It ends with a cut right before the fucking Alex stabs the Zaku, and then it just goes cuts to um, God, what is Optimus Prime's voice actor's name? I just totally forgot. Peter Cullen. Peter Cullen. I I usually know that name, but it totally just slipped my mind right now. And Peter Cullen just goes like, "In war, everybody's a casualty," and then like it just cuts to like the in tsunami war, logo. Everyone's a casualty. It's like go look that up. <laughs> just look up a uh, War in the Pocket tsunami promo if you want, because like that's that's some shit right Those there. Those were good promos. Like they 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 their one for eight the mess team was pretty good too, eight the mess teams is good. Dude, their one for their one for double seventy nine was good. His name Amuro Ray. His weapon Gundam. A young boy with powers beyond comprehension. <laughs> Did he say the thing? Did Peter Cullen say the next stage in human evolution? No, he just said a boy with powers beyond comprehension. Should have. <laughs> the next step. I hear they're the next step in human evolution. But like the Gundam wing promo. It's a Gundam, and then that's it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. Uh, I think that's the first time I snorted on God, Mike. I'm pretty sure it's not. So, um, in... God, I totally slipped my mind what I was going to say. Uh, oh, yeah, so as I said so many times, you do not need to enjoy Gundam to do this, because a, a lot of people's problem with the Universal Century is they hate new type shit. It really takes them out of it. Like, a lot of people think new type shit's ridiculous and stupid. It's, I mean, mo- I mean like, granted, I've only seen... I've only seen 079 in the first, like, the first half of Zeta, but I feel like the new type shit is treated pretty sparingly. Yeah. 
It's like honestly, it's it's the worst in AMS team. Yeah, well, there there isn't even it. They don't even mention new types in AMS team or Stardust Memory. Oh right, no, because but like I asked you about it though with those kids. Well, yeah, that was they never even confirmed if that was new types though. But then we're gonna get to that. Yeah, that, the last well, what, episode, what was the one that used cyber new types? That was Zeta. Oh, okay, then yeah. Like, cause that, well, technically Lala, no, no, not Lala. Lala was a natural new type. Um, four was, in Zeta was a cyber new type. Where she was I, a, it's all coming back to yeah. me, yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. But like, we'll get to that in 8th MS Team and Zeta. To me, the last episode of 8th MS Team is totally just not needed. It's unnecessary. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, the last episode is... I'm just looking at... Like, we have the episode title names here, and it's kind of like... Yeah, uh, like, an- another bad line. I spoofed it earlier, but another bad line in one of the podcasts, like, right... Like, the day before the battle, like, they're just on the phone, and, like, just out of nowhere, the Al just is like, I love you, Bernie! And <laughs> I'm like, why would you say that? Oh, Bernie was, like, his big brother, too. Like, literally. He idolized Bernie because Bernie was cool and drove a Zaku, and... Mm. Bernie was just a child, too. Bernie only was eight years older than Al. Al, Al is one of those people that owns the perfect grade Zaku, too. <laughs> like, I, if I... Just put a little Bernie next to it. <laughs> oh, no, don't even do that to me. <laughs> That's, um, so, due to, the, due to kind of the small scale of War in the Pocket, War in the Pocket has not appeared in many Gundam and Lemay Super Robot Wars games. Mm-hmm. In the games that he, uh, where it does appear, usually it's, usually you can prevent Bernie's death by recruiting him to your side. Mm-hmm. By, like, if you, if you get, like, the party to talk to Bernie before he attacks, uh, Chris, you can get him, like, on your side. Good. And, uh, but, the, the thing that makes Bernie kind of a bench warmer in those games is that he only is capable of piloting different variants of Zaku's. <laughs> And there's a uh, there's a voice event where Bernie's own because sometimes characters will have voice events where they'll like their voice actor work. Usually, a lot of the dialogue in these games are like recycled from. Uh, that's why you know Musashi from Getter, his voice actor's been dead since the '90s. So like they've but he still has been in games until like 2009, where they just didn't give him any like unique new lines because all most of the dialogue in those games is text. But like through for attack animations, you'll hear them go like Gata! Punch! Yeah. Uh, like for, or like, Daisa Tusan Oroshi! But like, they would just recycle audio from episodes of Get of Get a Robo. So, but uh, Bernie only has one voice clip, which is in uh, Super Robot Wars 4. It's remake F, uh, which stands for after, and there's F final. After. I, it's weird. Where, uh, essentially, the party, like, it's toward the end of the game, and everyone has, like, you have, like, the Gunbuster and the Edeon, and, like, fucking, like, the new Gundam, and, like, Chris is probably piloting, like, something better, because you've, you've transferred out of the, out of the Gundam Alex, you've probably given her, like, maybe, like, the Yakushiki after Char got the Sazabi or something like that. Oh, nice. Usually what they'll do is, if they don't have, usually what they'll do is they won't follow the plot of Char's Counterattack. They'll have Amaro from Char's Counterattack, and, but they'll keep him as Quattro. So Quattro will then ditch the Yakushiki for the Sazabi, and then this Yakushiki can just give to somebody who has needs a better mobile suit. And uh, uh me, give it to me. <laughs> give me the Yakushiki. So like, but like, and everyone's kind of just like, and then Bernie will mobilize in a le- in one of the last levels. Like, I'm gonna fight too. Like, I want to save, the- I want to save the Earth too, or whatever. Like, I want to save the world, the colonies, everything. Yeah. And then everyone just kind of starts laughing at Bernie. Like, <laughs> you're in a fucking Zaku, dude. And he yells like, Don't make fun of my Zaku. Don't make fun of Bernie Zaku. Yeah, don't he. He, 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 it's the only Zaku to take down a Gundam. It 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 is actually. Well, unless yeah, it is. <laughs> Bernie took down like when you think of like watch watch an episode of Double Seventy Nine and see how effortlessly like how like my like I'm gonna talk about Gundam Wing here for a little bit. My and by extension Seed. My biggest issue with Gundam Wing is how powerful the Gundams are. Yeah. Where like there's a GIF set that I reblogged saying this is this is everything wrong with Gundam Wing in a single GIF. It's where the Wing Gundam just fires its Vulcan cannons and then four Leos explode. 
Yeah. And I'm like, really? Like, the Gundams are so outstandingly powerful that there's, like, no sense of danger for, like, the, the Gundams blow up more from self-destructing and wing. They, they literally do. I think... At least in... It, they've, they've never been killed in battle. Yeah. They've either been self-destructed or Troa got the Death Scythe captured and they blew it up manually outside of battle. Yeah. Which he probably would have done, given his own devices eventually anyway. But yeah. he was still super sad about it. No! <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> With but... your hair metal scream. <laughs> Fuck you, Scott McNeil. <laughs> Don't, please. No, I love Scott McNeil. <laughs> he was Majin Buu in the ocean, though, but that's funny oh. to me. That that was That's a bad voice. That wasn't his best work. He was, oh, okay, no, give him his credit. He was Piccolo. He was also Piccolo. He was Piccolo. How was a good Piccolo. I still like Chris Sabat's better. Oh, Chris Sabat's a, a golden god, but... Yeah, Chris Sabat's a golden god. A shiny... Yeah. Chris Sabat is final form Frieza. <laughs> gold, Chris Sabat is golden Frieza. I like how Frieza named himself. Yeah, that was <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> anyway, essentially, War in the Pocket is a masterpiece. Yeah. It is... If you're going to take away anything from the Universal Century, as much as I want you to fully embrace the Universal Century, you as a listener, because the Universal Century is objectively the best Gundam, even though this isn't my favorite and it isn't that much of a Gundam series, that may appeal to people who don't quite love war drama. Yeah. If you just want a nice, sad, six-episode OVA with amazing characters, good animation, heartbreaking music... This is good for getting your friends into it. Yeah. Like, if you know... If, if you know... That, like, they would love this, I just need something, I just need a hook. With any good, especially pitching someone a whole franchise, you need a hook. You need somebody, because, like... That's why I always say three movies. Like, yeah. three movies is usually good, but if they, if they, if... But if grant, they... granted, the, the first two movies are kind of a slog. They can be. Especially if, if, if you're, like, pushing someone, like, come on, just watch it. And they're like, okay, yeah, fine, the, I'll the watch movies it. Are, the movies are, the first movie, mostly. For, for, the for... second movie is mostly battle, so you're kind of into it. Yeah. But the, se- the first movie is... Is pretty set up. Is, is yeah, the first movie is a necessary yeah. evil. But for like for people out there who like need to like push their friends into watching stuff because we all have that that one friend who won't listen until you like sit them in, sit them in front of the TV and like no you watch this because you're gonna fucking like it. For some reason as you're as you're kind of stuttering right there a little bit I thought you were stuttering and then you got force feed them cinnamon toast crunch like I thought you were gonna say that for some this reason. This is the taste you can fucking see you charlatan you groundling <laughs> groundling you lowly old type <laughs> and um. Like, g- give them this, because it's good on its own, but it's got enough hints of the rest of the franchise that they'll be like, I want context for this. Yes. Where you're like, What's what? this about? What is this Who, world? Who's that dude on the white base? What the fuck is the white base? Like, Amro's <laughs> mentioned, like, not even by name. What's a white base? Is is it, are the are the Federation racists? <laughs> Stormy, just looking around, is there a black, black base? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just, just what if the, bright just goes no. What if there was like okay like okay alternate like an alternate world where Gundam is like a typical shonen uh, super robot show like the the Z, the the objectively evil Zeons come out with their secret weapon the black base. It's just an evil white base with like negative. I am Bizarro Amaro. I'm regular Amaro. <laughs> Uh, the two brights just slap each other. <laughs> like, it just comes from like, those Dragon Ball Z fights just with their slaps. <laughs> like, deflecting every blow. What? There, there was a Dragon Ball fight where someone just slapped... The, I think it was Frieza. He, I think Frieza just straight up slapped the shit out of somebody. Someone remember. did. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> this, I think, does a better job of what Tomino really wanted to do than... Than what, Tomino did. Than Tomino did. <laughs> like, I hate to say that, but Tomino had some great moments in 0079. Well, because, like, well, Tomino, is, Tomino is, like, writing, like... Epic space opera shit. Yes. 
and this is a really concentrated this is this is hyper concentrated in a way that full length series is can't be like this is a movie like well what what Tomino's biggest goal was with Gundam was he didn't he wanted both sides to not be objectively evil mm-hmm. when you really think about it the only truly evil person in Gundam is Giren. is the man is Giren, really and that's mostly because he was space Hitler. Yeah. Like, even his own father wanted to surrender to the Federation so his people wouldn't suffer any longer. How, how he said, well, clearly... And that dude was a sloppy mob boss. That dude was a hut. Yeah. Their dad was a hut. And, like, Garma pretty much just... Garma just wanted to fucking impress his father. He just wanted to make him proud. And kiss Char. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but, like... like like, Dazzle, all he knew how to do was war. That's And so, but he wanted to protect his wife and child. Like, that's a heart-wrenching scene as he's about to go into the big exam and kisses his daughter goodbye for the first, for the last time. Don't scene. worry, you'll be a unicorn. And Zeta. Oh, yeah. Baby Zam. So, like, they'll, so, like, you that humanizes your villains. And yeah. if your villains are just, whoa, ho, 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 we want the arrow. <laughs> exactly, like, you're not going to humanize them. Cuckoo crabby, But, like, essentially, like, because... But through the rhetoric of what the Federation, the main characters, that they hate Zeon. They're space Nazis to them. Yeah. But, like, you see Bernie, and you're like, no, he's not a space he's a cool Nazi. Guy. Bernie's just, Bernie just fight, fought for, like, like, I always say this to people, like, at the end of the first movie, um, Garen gives the, his impassioned, like, you know, like, Zeke Zeon speech. And, like, imagine you are a space noid. Like, you just live in, you're neutral in the conflict, and then you see that speech, you're just like, I'd give me a Zaku, come on, man, let's crush the Fetties. Like, that was probably Bernie. Like, he, he was sitting with his parents, probably eating dinner, and then that comes eating on the news. Eating his cinnamon toast crunch. Eating his cinnamon toast crunch. No, that's cannibalism. He's also a precious cinnamon roll. <laughs> he was too good for this He world. was too good for the... He's too good for the universal century. He's too good for this colony. He probably is sitting there eating dinner with his family or something, and then on TV or whatever, like, future TV they have, like, you know, Garen's broadcast comes on, and just like, Zig, Zeon! And he's just like, well, I'm 18, I better sign up for the Zeon military, we gotta crush these fatties, look what they did to Garma, they fucking did that! And it's funny, because Trevor did. <laughs> and then Char's just sitting there drinking. <laughs> it's because you're a spoiled brat. <laughs> uh, I think it's about time we wrapped up our podcast about the best gun, the best gun to Movie um, Watch it. Yeah, watch it, so positives and negatives. Uh, positives. Ama- Everything. Amazing animation. Mm-hmm. Amazing characters. Mm-hmm. Tragic. Tragic. Tragedy. It's a. It's a such. A, it's just a well crafted. It's such a well crafted tragedy. It's such a. And nobody's at fault, really. It's no one, except for like that one duder who yeah. wanted to drop bombs on everyone and shot those guys because they didn't want to drop bombs on people. Yeah, that guy. He apparently, apparently, you know confir- what his problem was. They confirmed in a uh, in a piece of Gundam fluff that came with a model kit mm-hmm. that uh, apparently he shot himself when Garen was reported dead. Good. Yeah. Uh, but you know what his problem was, Deb? What? He was blonde. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie was blonde. Like squares can be rectangles, rectangles can be squares. Crazy blonde people can be blonde and crazy. Blonde people don't have to be crazy. So there was a post. Where it was like, man, is every blonde person in, in Gundam a douchebag? So it was like a picture of Char. Mm-hmm. It was like a picture of Yazan from Zeta and like picture of Guineas from 8th MS Team. Yep. Picture, picture of Glemmy Toto from Double Zeta. And then I remember like everyone, and there was just like this long list, like full frontal from Zeta, from Unicorn and everybody. And I was just like, like Reedy from, from Unicorn. And I'm just like, you're forgetting the one exception. And I just put a picture of Bernie oh. for, of Bernie sadly looking to a half eaten hamburger. <laughs> I want to open a burger, a Gundam-themed burger joint, call it McBurney's. McBurney's. The full, full Burney-in. The full burger. <laughs> uh, I'd like a full burger 
Um, we, we have a giant we have a giant platter plate uh, called the Colony Drop, and if you eat it, you don't have to. If you eat all of it, you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> oh God! Um, it's called the Colony Drop because that's what happens in the bathroom uh, after night after afterward. Can I get the Big Zam Burger? It's li- it's one of those big burgers, but it, and it's shaped like Big Zam. Or at least on the bun, they decorated it to have like yeah. a head. With like oh, a that's with great. like a that's good. With like a um cherry tomato for the eye. Uh, and, so and and and, ooh, and drumsticks, two drumsticks for its legs. You have the French fries kind of around it, like like yeah. the la- like it's like a giant lasers. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, War in the Pockets a phenomenal masterpiece. And uh, what are negatives? We got to come up with some negatives. <sighs> I wish we got a little more info about the Alex itself or its development. Yeah, a little more. Uh, uh, more Chris. Yeah, I wish Chris got a little more screen time. She's the because she's the she's the only, is she the only female UC Gundam pilot in animation? Yeah. Well, I mean, like main no, like I mean Emma and Zeta pilots the uh, pilots the Mark II after Camille gets the Zeta. Oh. And then in uh, Double Zeta, Rue gets the Zeta because you know things, and then uh, okay. L gets the the Mark II after that. All right, that's cool then. And that's I mean, cool. like in, I look forward to that. I mean, uh, Marbet uh, Marbet Fingerhat is brown, and she pilots the Victory Gundam because there's like three of them. She pilots one of them. Oh, cool. Because, like, cause like, when I said to myself, like, female Gundam pilots, the first thing that came to my mind was the Nobel. And the, and the, Nobel, exi- the Nobel exists. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple, like, uh, Lashes Klein gets her own Gundam in Seed, and of course it has to be pink. Yeah. Although, I don't know, I mean, that's fine. <laughs> fuck Seed. It's more like, it's more the reason why it's pink than just the fact that, oh, like, like, I can fucks with a pink Gundam. Like, a couple, like, given given the coloring of early animations, Char looked pink sometimes. Yeah, like, his spacesuit in Zeta straight up is just pink, his pilot suit. Yeah. I, I wish his spacesuits were also sleeveless, somehow. <laughs> Quattro is actually the most 80s thing about Zeta. Oh, no, okay. So, like, he wanted to be sleeveless, but it's a vacuum of space, so they're just transparent. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just oh transparent God. in the arms. <laughs> so, I think that's, I think that's War in the Pocket. Somehow. I think we, I think we talked about War in the Pocket in there. Uh... I'm just looking at the episode list, and it's in order uh, from the six episodes. It goes, how many miles to the battlefield? Reflections in a brown eye. <laughs> at the end of a rainbow. Over the river and through the woods. Say it ain't so, Bernie, and then war in the pocket. And I'm just like, Ugh. My next question, what does war in the pocket mean? Well, it's it's essentially, it's per, it's personal. It's it's a it's a pocket of the one-year war. Right. It's, it is a war in the pocket. It's, you know, it's very, it's smaller scale. It's dun, 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 dun. <laughs> The opening, though. Oh yeah. Like I, that opening. I know. I know people who that opening just makes them fall to tears. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty great. And like, but when you're watching it first, you're just like, oh yeah, fun time, yeah. Like the song is called. Uh, it's called Itsuka Sora no. Uh, Itsuka Itsuka Sora ni Todoite. Uh, yeah. Which means reach out to the sky someday, and it's always it's like da 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 da. It's all very happy. And they and unlike Gunbuster, they don't get rid of it when shit gets real. You gotta listen to that. And then you realize that oh no. Uh, so if you enjoy this podcast and you wish to send us anything, uh, you can email us at Mectrospective. There will be uh, how to spell that. I really didn't think about how fucking confusing this made up word I did for our title is. You before mean I, I came up with. I always forget that. Well, so, cause like, well, cause it's like, I have to type it so much. Yeah. It just feels like it's my word now. I'm sorry. Um, it's our word. Uh, but you did come up with it, but I agreed to it and made it all of our account information. <laughs> <laughs> you made, it was my idea. You made it legitimate. Yeah. Unfortunate. Uh, uh I don't know. It's E C H T R O S P E C T I V 
E. And also, they're just looking at the word right now. Thank, thank you, Mr. Speak and Spell. Uh, Max Rose, <laughs> War Metro. in the Pot. W. I. R. I. M. Okay. Wake up and smell the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so mechtrospective at gmail.com. I always put a little link, a uh, little things at the bottom uh, on our Tumblr, which is also uh, mechtrospective.tumblr.com. For, specifically for corrections, if we ever get anything wrong in our vast discussion of, of decade-spanning franchises and various continuities, uh, please send your corrections to that email with the subject line, Hey Douchebag! Or uh, Hey Douchebags, I guess. Or whoever you want to... Yeah, I mean, if both I, of us got something wrong, I mean, yeah. usually it's probably going to be me getting something wrong. So, <laughs> oh no, dude, I'm dude, you're the mech expert. I don't know anything. I mean, also then like, again, I don't, I don't make any claims. I just sit yeah, and let that's, you talk. That's exactly why. <laughs> but, uh, but this asshole. Uh, no, uh, so mechtrospective, uh, our Twitter at mechtrospective. Tweet at us. Uh, I, I, I follow, I follow whatever I can. There's not too many mecha-based uh, Twitter accounts. I follow Crunchyroll, and Crunchyroll actually does a fair amount of news posting. Like a lot of Crunchyroll is good for news. But uh, we should announce what we're doing next, I guess, because we already did from Across Plus. We can remember, remind people. We're going to be doing our first full-length series. We're going to break it into two parts, because it's a 26-episode series, do 13 episodes each. Uh-huh. And uh, we're going to be doing the 2006 Adult Swim favorite, Code Geass. The Clamps! And, uh, yeah, it's a joint operation between Sunrise and Clamp. Uh, and I've never seen it before, because it was one of those, like, super popular animes that are, like, super anime-looking, so I was kind of like, this looks... So we'll see what I think about it. Uh, I've se- I haven't seen it since... It aired? Since it aired, pretty much. I remember I, I I watched it when it was airing, and then I got caught up to it, and I was like, I want to know more, and then it was already finished in Japanese, so I just mm. kind of finished it. And, uh, what I remember properly is there's two separate seasons, which are 26 episodes each, Code Geass and Code Geass R2. I remember Code Geass being way better than R2, but I, I browse M a lot, and there's a lot of hatred of Code Geass on M, so I'm wondering, so it's put some doubt in my mind of whether it holds up to my, you know, current standards. Of I really guy. think that people just dislike it for the clamp aesthetic, mostly, because it's very... A, a lot of it is, a lot of people compare it to Gundam Seed in terms of, like, in terms of, like... It, it's its own fan base. Its own fan base. We'll see. So I'm, I'm, I'm both excited and a little bit apprehensive. But I'm going to chug through the first 13 episodes, and let's see if it holds up. We'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I think will. this will, I think this will be one of our most interesting discussions. It will be. I'm, I'm curious to how... You might like it more than I do. You might. I just, maybe. We never know. I don't know. So, I don't know. This might be the first time we disagree on a series, <laughs> which it will not be the last time. <laughs> so, uh, that's been this week's Mechatrospective. Until next time, I'm Tooch. I'm Devin, and we cry at robots. Uh, this week especially, we have wept... At robots. Well, this Fortnite. I was tearing up actually, describing the plot of this. <laughs> now, now, turn off this podcast and go get a burger. And then feel really, really, really bad about it. <laughs> the, the 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 tears add, add, add a saltiness to it. It's got that umami. I don't know what that word means. Umami is the fifth flavor. It just means savory, but people have to be foodies about it. Gross. Why do people have to ruin everything? <laughs> People like you killed Bernie. Exactly. Umami killed Bernie.